Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Today is Monday. It's the 23rd of April, 2018. Well, we are once again in the mobile studio, which is kind of a normal thing. Luckily, I am parked. However, I do have the truck going because it is about 97 degrees outside, so I got to have a little bit of the AC going or I'll melt. So you may hear a little bit of the engine noise. Anyway, let's get our contact info posted. If you'd like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. If you would like to send in an email or record your own audio, the place to send that is firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Also, those can be things, even if it's just links to articles or new stuff that's coming out that you've seen and you'd like to make the other listeners aware. If you go over to the website, there are buttons for Facebook and Twitter, for YouTube and Instagram. There is a PayPal donation button. If you're ever so inclined, it would be greatly appreciated. And the website is firearmscafe.com. All right, I think that's about it for kind of housekeeping stuff. There was an interesting thing that happened to me the other day. I, as you guys know, I live in Arizona. And I went on to Backpage. And in Arizona, the reason why I say I let you guys know that I'm in Arizona is because Arizona, as far as a lot of the gun laws and regulations and restrictions that we have, is actually a pretty good state. There's, a, there, there's still room for improvement. And there's still quite a few things that I would like to see improved upon or I don't even know if improved upon is the right thing to say, but maybe restrictions lessened or or lifted or the sort of the yoke, the weight of the yoke that's on our collective necks kind of lightened or taken off altogether. And some of that stuff has to do with, well, the first thing I would would, would be that with the, as far as schools and gun-free zones and things like that, I, what I would like to see is if you have a concealed carry permit, permit excuse me, then you would be allowed to take a firearm onto uh, onto in a school campus like K through 12. Or even if they said a thing like, "Hey, you want to carry a gun on campus? Go through this specialized class." I would be willing to do that because it would be a baby step. And generally what we've seen out here as far as when they do things like that it generally leads to better stuff in the long term so it leads to less restrictions so if we look at concealed carry it used to be that for concealed carry I think you had to take like a 16 hour class and then it was an 8 hour class and then it was down to like 4 and of course then constitutional carry or permitless carry got passed and there's still classes but some of them are just a couple of hours where they go over the stuff and you can you can get your permit that way 
Uh, some of them are, you know, and there's different ones, of course. I would even be willing to do the class, and like I was saying before, is some people would say, well, that would maybe restrict people based on cost or something like that, or maybe it would be they would make the, the class so cost prohibitive. I don't think something like that in Arizona would come to pass. I think it would maybe be maybe an 8 or a 16-hour course or something like that. I've talked on the show before about how there were things that you could go through in different states and, and a lot of times the number of hours seemed like it was what it would take for you to either go through that state's police academy or go through maybe a reserve program that type of thing and what they might make you of course you would still have to pass all the backgrounds and all that other stuff but what it might make you and the way they would get around it is it would make you sort of a reserve officer now, I don't know how many people would still do something like that. I might, um, but I don't know then what you would be actually obligated to do. So if, and again, it, would it just be for that specific training? So, okay, you can go into certain schools, or you can do this, or you can do that. Or is it your you're now a reserve officer and they kind of you take the oath and all that other stuff. So would they be able to call you in in time of disaster, things like that? I, you know, I don't know. Anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent. What I was originally going to talk about was that in Arizona, and it's the same in several other states, you still have what you call private sales of firearms, meaning that if I have a, let's say, a single-shot 12-gauge shotgun that I want to sell, I can list that ad uh, on Backpage or on uh, certain websites that will do that. Um, you could used to put, in the old days, you'd put ads in the paper uh, for stuff like that. And because Arizona considers that just a private sale, the sort of due diligence that you have to go through is that you would say, well, I either want a bill of sale or you put in the ad, I only want to sell to concealed carry permit holders or you put in there, you know, must, again, like the bill of sale or must be willing to, or you, you can't be a prohibited possessor, this, you know, this, that, and the other. You can sort of set whatever terms you want. And as long as you and, and the, uh, the burden on you as the person who is selling and to an extent as a person who you're buying it from is that you if you're if you're selling the gun the person you're selling it to you would think well I don't have any reason to believe that this person is either a felon is a prohibited possessor uh, that type of thing and if you're a buyer you would have to think well you know, this guy isn't selling me a Glock for $100. If he's doing that, it's probably actually something that was stolen. So I, you know, wouldn't want to buy it. Generally, though, when you go through some of the internet sites and things like that, a lot of times you're, you're texting back and forth or you call or something like that. So there's a record of stuff. And yeah, I know people kind of get around it. But for the most part, and I've bought and sold tons of stuff, different firearms over the years. And I think with the exception of maybe one or two people, uh, 
they all had at least concealed carry permits or they were willing to sign a bill of sale and, and put down their driver's license number and things like that. So, you know, I don't, uh, again, I don't think I've ever bought stolen merchandise or anything like that. And most people, you know, they look pretty, pretty legit and pretty much on the up and up. So anyway, I've talked about before that, you know, I, I go on and I search those things and I, I have a few guns that I specifically want to get. And I also have some stuff that I want to sell. And so I thought, you know what? I've got a couple of things that I want to sell. And I'll just go on and maybe I'll put an ad up on Backpage. Well, surprise, surprise, and joke's on me. I go to put the ad up on there. And it says, Backpage has been seized by the federal government and this, that, and the other thing. So... Backpage is sort of, for those of you guys maybe that don't know, it's not just a gun site. So it has all sorts of different stuff, kind of like Craigslist. So you can you can sell sporting equipment, you can sell appliances, you can, there's, um, I guess they used to call them like the classified ads, where you could, um, like people trying to hook up and stuff like that, you know, trying to to meet someone. So it has things like that. And it looks like that that may have been maybe what got those guys shut down. Is there may have been, um, I guess they were called personal ads, weren't they? Maybe that's what they were called. Anyway, it looks like there may have been some stuff through the personal ad section that would be considered um, either prostitution or maybe some type of form of sex trafficking or something where you know people were being in theory could have been taken advantage of well unfortunately when they seize the whole site it it takes away everything so if you've got an old blender that you're trying to sell or you've got a an upper for an ar-15 well that stuff is suspended now now of course it didn't um this stuff was free and I don't know, at least the ads that I posted were always free. They're, they didn't take a commission of sales or anything like that. So it wasn't like it was an auction site or anything like that. It was basically just a classified listing stuff. So I'm not exactly sure how they made their money or how they were able to host all that stuff. So I don't know. Maybe perhaps they do charge for other things. I think, and I can't remember, and a lot of times I just, you're so used to when you're on the web, you're so used to just sort of blocking out the commercials or the ads that you see up on the side and stuff. So maybe they had ads on there and I just kind of, in my mind, I just sort of blocked them out because I never really cared about that stuff too much. But I don't really recall seeing them on there too much. Maybe they were there. Anyway. So now I'm kind of left with the thing of, oh, shoot, well, where would I, where could I go now? So I'm going to have to kind of search around and look. And if any of you guys know anything that's out in the Arizona area, or even in your states, if there's other bulletin board type things or things like that where people kind of get together and sort of do the, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of the horse trading type stuff, uh, let me know. Go ahead and I'll, and then I will, on the next show, I'll go ahead and put that stuff up there. But it's kind of a bummer because it was a place where you could generally find some pretty good stuff. You could also, and people would say, well, can't you just go to 
you'd get a good price. And so people would say, well, can't you just go to one of the local gun stores? And if you wanted to, uh, let's say, like, sell a rifle that you have, an AR that you have or something like that, why don't you just go there and do that? Well, the problem with doing that is, of course, that you have to take such a loss on it that in some aspects it's probably not worth it for you to even sell it. And let's use the example of something like a Glock 19. You can find a Glock 19 if you kind of... Well, you used to could, I guess. But especially on Backpage and some of the other stuff, you could find one for uh, around $420 or, you know, about four, right around in that age. Probably anywhere from 400 to about 450 $460, probably right around there. Pretty much all day long, especially if you're going to that $460 range. You can find stuff, Glock 19s, all over the place. And, of course, when you're doing that, you agree on the price, and there's no tax, there's no this, there's no that. And so the guy who's selling it, well, he can sell it for a little bit more money than he would be able to get taking it into a, uh, a dealership. And the price that you're buying it for, eh, you know, probably... Did I say dealership? Gee whiz. Just a gun store. But you guys know what I meant. Anyway. But probably buying them used, maybe, unless, you know, about the same, especially if you're on the higher end, where you're looking around like that, you know, $480 or so. You can, you can probably find those pretty used. At least out here, you can find those pretty easily in the used market especially if they do police trade-ins and things like that you can get them pretty good however there are deals every once in a while where a guy is just like I just want to sell this thing and I'll go and, and instead of selling it for 450 I'll sell it for 420 or 400 and, or just 400 bucks or something just get it out the door so you could find some good deals and I found some good deals over the you know over the past few years on there so again, I don't know. I'm kind of in a pickle. There were a couple of other rifles that I wanted to sell and some other guns that I wanted to sell to get some other stuff. Um, I, As you guys know, I talked about before that I wanted to find the LCP-2. And I wanted to you know, find it for a good price and this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, I guess the it just kind of occurred to me. What you can do too is probably what's going to happen now that Backpage is done is that the gun shows are going to be a little bit maybe better attended until something comes up. And again, you can go to the gun show and you can take your stuff with you there and you just go in and you walk around. Usually you'll have a, like a little sign on a stick or something that you put in your back pocket or, or you stick it into a backpack or something like that and you list on there what you have for sale and you walk around and you put the price and then you kind of go that way. I, there are people too that are private sellers that get tables but unless you've got three or four things or unless you've got some stuff that you think you're going to be able to get some good money for, most people don't. Most people will just kind of walk around because you've got to pay the, the cost of the table. And I don't know what you have to do. I don't think you have to register your, the, what you've got for sale or anything like that with the, uh, with the event people. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I know when you walk in and just selling stuff as private citizen to private citizen, you don't have to do any of that stuff. So maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll take a couple of handguns that I want to sell, put them in a backpack and put a little stick on there and do it that way. You know, I had toyed with the idea of maybe with a couple of the guns that I had doing a maybe a raffle 
and seeing if I could get enough. But I just don't think I don't think there there would be enough interest in something like that. Um, so let's use the example of like a, just an average Glock or something. That if, if I wanted to sell it for four hundred and fifty bucks or so, you know, I, I'd have to have the raffle tickets for what twenty dollars, fifty dollars, something like that. And if you're if you're saying that, then you're looking, you've got to have at least probably 10, 15 people just because I don't want to just sort of sell the gun and not kind of get a little bit of extra for it because part of the reason I would have the raffle would be to help defray some of the costs of the show, but also I'd want to be able to do that. But I don't think I'd be able to, anyway, I don't think I'd be able to get enough people to do that. It's Although if you did have just 20 people that were doing it, you know that would raise a pretty good amount of money but then i don't know if what the legalities of that are how do you you know you would of course everything would have to go through a an ffl so you'd have to get a gun store that would agree maybe to do that or an ffl that would agree to do that for you and you'd have to maybe include the price and the person who is who would win it would have to do their ffl as well which would still be a, a good deal for that but if that is something though that people would be interested in let me know and like I said I would have to have I would have to get at least 15 20 responses you know would somebody be willing to pay $50 for that and I could I've got a couple of guns that I want to sell but I don't know it may be more hassle than it's worth it may be something may kind of pop up um, there are certain sites that are kind of classified sites, things like that. So stuff like Craigslist, but of course Craigslist doesn't sell, they don't allow firearms to be listed for sale there. So anyway, which kind of, you know, made me think of, I do have, like I was saying, I do have a couple of guns that I wanted to sell. A couple of them are kind of neat ones that I, they were neat and cool to me. But it's one of those things I talked about a few shows back about, well, what happens if you have a firearm that it's it's fine, but for whatever reason it just never caught on, or kind of what happens is that the manufacturer doesn't really support that anymore, or they moved on to something new. And so an example of something like that might be, well, there's several examples, but let's say if we look at SIG, when they did the uh, 556R, and I've talked about it before, I actually have one, and it's one of those things where I paid at the time a fair price, but of course now, that's when they were sort of hot and everybody wanted them, and these were the Gen 2, so the Gen 1s had problems with, they, they had cheaped out on the part where the mags lock in and they didn't put steel reinforcement in there and so they were saying well you can't use steel mags and you don't you shouldn't use this you shouldn't use that and there were some problems with it and it was the problem where you had basically a bean counter that was taking over the uh, the production of that gun and maybe the person who was actually trying to design it was saying well you know people aren't going to want that and they're like ah they'll take it this any other thing so anyway I've got something like that, but when I go and look on GunBroker and some other places like that, on some of the auction sites, 
it's a lot less than what I'd kind of be willing to let it go for. And that's kind of fine for me because I can say, well, you know, it works with all my AK mags and it, it's pretty robust and this, that, and the other thing. But the problem is what happens if something on it breaks or goes down? Am I going to be able to get the replacement parts for those? And so I don't know. And so it's one of those things where does it sort of become a safe queen that you, maybe you take out and you shoot with it and it's fun? Or is it something where you, you treat it like a, almost like a consumable? Because is it worth it for you to pay higher price to get replacement parts or have stuff fixed? Or it, does it ever come to the point where I've got this rifle or I've got this handgun and now you can't get anything for it? Or if you can find them, they're very expensive. So, we shall see. Uh, and I suppose, you know, if, if you had something like that, and if you really liked it, and if the price on those had had dropped so let's say that you had originally bought a, a rifle I don't know let's say just to make it easy for a thousand dollars and then a couple years goes by the manufacturer goes away from it they're not really making a lot of parts for it there's not really ever been a whole lot of aftermarket stuff and now the gun that you bought for a thousand dollars on the market maybe they're like 500 bucks if you're lucky you can get for that you know so they've dropped by half i wonder if if you if again if it was something that you really liked if you could find one that was under 500 dollars, i wonder if it would be worth it for you to buy it just to have backup stuff so i don't know again with that sig 556r it's not really something that i like that much to do it but the problem with it is if you like the rifle and the configuration that it is and I'm kind of fine with that but if you didn't if you wanted to change anything it's been sort of quote-unquote out of production and long enough to where you can't really get aftermarket stuff for it and there wasn't a whole lot of aftermarket stuff to begin with and the stuff that's out there now again is kind of turned into a little bit of a unicorn where you're like well I got to pay a little pretty penny for it and it gets to where maybe some of the if you wanted to put a different handguard on there or a different rail system or something like that you don't want to pay five six hundred dollars if that's all your rifle was worth um, so anyway and that got me to thinking about kind of the whole AR versus AK thing and you know the bullpups and this that and the other and there's a couple of bullpups that are out there that I'm interested in and I kind of am interested in a bull pup. I don't know that I'll ever buy one, but if I really was dead set on having maybe an SBR or something like that, I might go for something like a bull pup. And there's one, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head for the life of me, but it's a re. It's, I think it's been out for maybe a couple of years, and they're doing some de more development on it. And I saw some shot show videos, and so maybe I'll look that up and I'll do a quick addendum to it later it is you know kind of an interesting thing with with the idea of having a short bell rifle versus you know a bullpup of course if you look at the AR platform and to a certain extent I guess you could say the AK platform as well that stuff is pretty much especially the AR it's, it's debug technology it's if you get a quality one it's hard to beat and the same thing with an AK if you get a quality AK 
it's kind of hard to, to beat that. You know, they've there's still some ergonomic improvements that could be made uh, to the AK, and there's there are some rifles out there that have tried to do that. Again, that Sig 556R was sort of trying to meld AR type thing and an AK together. So, all right, this is going to end it for this segment, and we'll do segment two probably tomorrow, and hopefully I'll get the show up. All right, guys, you may notice a little bit of a difference in the sound quality. I'm actually recording this through the computer. This is just going to be a quick follow-up, and then we will draw the show to a close. The rifle that I had mentioned earlier was by Desert Tech, and that was a bullpup, and it's the MDR, which I believe stands for, let me go ahead and pull it up here, their microdynamic rifle. It actually looks quite interesting. And it looks like it comes in, oh, three different calibers or chambering, however you want to you want to say it. It comes in 308, 300 blackout, and uh, maybe that's something that is for the future. And it looks like there's also a 223 wild barrel. For those of you guys that don't know, and from my understanding, basically, what the wild barrel does is it lets you shoot both 223 and 56 or 5.56, excuse me. Some people will say you can shoot those interchangeably. From what I've heard is that you can shoot 2.23 through a 5.56, but you are not supposed to shoot 5.56 through a 2.23. And it has something to do with, I think, the shoulder space on the actual cartridge. It may be a little bit off, but there's a slight difference there. So there may be some concern uh, some guys, I'm sure, have shot them interchangeably through their rifles if they have a 223. But anyway, what that wild does is it sort of gives you a little bit of the... It, it allows you to, to, to shoot both, basically, without going into too much detail here at the end. Uh, so, I am quite interested in that through some of the videos that I saw. And uh, I think... Ian and Carl over at InRange TV, and I respect their opinion. They were kind of interested in that thing. And like I said, I've always been sort of interested in them. Not so much that I would be willing to pay a ton of money for one. However, this is one of the things that have kind of piqued my interest a little bit. It seems like they've maybe ironed out some of the stuff or, or at least addressing some of the problems or some of, I don't even know if problems is the right word, but maybe some of the shortcomings, maybe if we could call it that, or maybe some excuse me, design elements that uh, I didn't kind of like before, but this one seems to have taken some of those things under consideration. Anyway, uh, that will do it for the show. I am still planning on putting a show out on either Saturday or Sunday. I'll need to do some recording. I've also got uh, a little bit of a recording for Armed Ape, and I'll put that out, and you guys can go ahead and listen to that. So you're you're going to start getting, hopefully, a lot more content from me. I'm hoping to be able to still keep up and do Firearms Cafe on a weekly basis. And with Armed Ape, if I can get that restarted, I've got two or three co-hosts I'm sh that I'm sure will be for sure that would come on and do it when they can, and maybe one or two others that may do occasional stuff. So with that, I know a lot of people that remember Armed Ape kind of looked like that show uh, and looked back on it kind of fondly, which is nice. 
but hopefully if you guys like that stuff, it will be starting. And with the addition of some of the co-hosts, I'll be able to stay on track and stay on schedule. Look forward to hearing from you, and I'll talk to you next time.